Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galanti along with Thomas Frank Carr. T. Frank, how are you doing, my friend? Doing well. We'll see uh, if rest versus rust happens here. Been off for five straight days, so uh, let's get into it and see what happens. Five straight days without working for T. Frank. That's craziness. Yeah, and that's probably the longest I've gone in over a year. So that's that's, that's saying something. Did you drive yourself or your wife crazy? Uh, luckily, I was a video game kid, so all I'd have to do is plug into my computer, and then I'm gone for six hours. So, the, you know, when I when that did happen, I just went full ADHD into my computer, played some video games. I was good. Very good. All right. Let's get you back on track. Let's talk Penn State football. And, T. Frank, I, I'd like to talk to you today about the defense. I think after an exceptional season last year, we have a built-in confidence in the defense, but a lot of changes going on. New defensive coordinator, and you start to look at how much talent was lost. Three out of four starters on the defensive line, two out of three linebackers, two out of four starting defensive backs. That's an awful lot of talent to lose, and they weren't just anybody's. These were very good players, a lot of them drafted dra- and drafted highly. Yeah, yeah, and um, I to me the biggest thing is the shift in the in the scheme because you can't then predict progression for anybody necessarily, even from some of your best players who may be moving positions, who maybe have a new role or a new prominent role in the offense. I'm sorry, in the defense. So uh, yeah, when it comes to predicting this side of the ball, I'm having a hard time because there's elements I really like. And there are elements that are obviously a problem. And then when you throw that, like, little sprinkling of nutmeg doubt on top, I, you know, it, it becomes kind of a mystery as to what's going to happen next year for me. I think that's going to become a thing now. Nutmeg of doubt. There you go. I'm going to use that. I like that. Well, let, let's start there with the change in schemes, positions, and so on that comes with having Manny Diaz as your defensive coordinator as opposed to Brent Pry. Just what does that change mean? <laughs> well, something new every day when I go back and watch the film. Like, I've watched the blue-white game probably five times and come away with one nugget or another of, like, something I didn't notice before when I watched it. The, the first thing to me is the secondary and how they're used. Brent Pry was very traditional in the way he ran his coverages. The, it, it's called spot dropping, where you drop to a spot. It's very much if you played... I don't want to be disrespectful and say if you played high school defense, you could play in Brent Price defense, but the the there is not a lot of um, intricacy in that particular aspect. You play to your spot, you play fast, and then you go and attack the football. It, the, the NFL teams can use this too, and a lot of times that comes out of a cover three system where you have three players deep and you flood the underneath zones and you're making it hard on the quarterback to find openings. Uh, Manny Diaz does a lot more stuff. It, it's not pro uh, football, but it is more pro-like, 
where you're not just dropping into a spot. You have a responsibility. If a guy crosses your zone, you may have a responsibility to follow him. It, it's more about forcing the quarterback into bad situations and to not know what's coming next because you can do so many different things. You can kind of blend man and zone coverages. Uh, there's more subterfuge is what I would call it. So there's a lot of that going on in the defense and the secondary, especially the safeties. Um, they're a little more amorphous. They're, they're, they're a little, the, the, especially the free safety, the field safety is very much involved in playing single coverage, maybe more so than before. Um, and the, the caveat is all of this is coming out of, you know, studying Miami, which had a different uh, set of players than Penn State. And then the blue-white game, which is our biggest indicator, but is also like that's exactly what he wanted us to see. There's nothing on the film there that he accidentally showed. So the complexity, the nature of the defense could be more than it is, um, and it could be more uh, aggressive even than it was. And we just saw like the tip of the iceberg. Well, we've actually also heard quotes from Manny Diaz. The best coverage is a good uh, quarterback rush. He wants to create havoc, whether it's part of the rush or it sounds like uh, creating confusion for the quarterback to force him to make mistakes. But, of course, the danger in being more sophisticated with your defense is it's possible for the defense to make mistakes also. Yeah, and... and so the whole thing is more risk-reward. That's exactly right. And that would be the biggest difference between Diaz and uh, Brent Pry. And, and you know, you can watch film and say technically this is a cover two or this is a cover three or something that Brent Pry would have run. But is it if you're blitzing all the time? Because <laughs> if there are five players in the pass pattern and you have five in coverage... I don't care if they're in zone, somebody is singled up. And, and there's a lot, that's what I mean when it's a lot more like the NFL. Because not only are there more switches and there are more multiple responsibilities where you also have to read and react, um, but there's also, you know, less support. So I, this is the part that I was, I didn't know about this offseason of what version of Manny Diaz would show up. Because historically, you can look back and you can see something very similar to Brent Pry. Or you can see what he did more recently, which was very aggressive. And um, indications so far have been that, that James Franklin is not going to change anything about this defense. And, and Manny Diaz is going to do what he does. So the talent in the secondary, and this is kind of getting to the question of, um, I think the secondary has the talent to pull this scheme off. Joey Porter Jr. and Kalen King are NFL caliber corners. Whether Kalen King develops into that fully or not, We'll see. But his physical talent, his confidence, that is, you know, a guy that I think could play in the league. And and, and that's not to, to overhype him. That's just to give you a baseline and an idea of what he can pull off. I love the safety blend of skills. Zaki uh, Wheatley and Keaton Ellis are both coverage players that have played corner. Uh, Tig Brown is playing uh, Jaquan Brisker's old position with a slightly different role. But he's going to be covering tight ends. He's going to be covering H-backs. He's not going to be covering, uh, you know, slot corners or slot receivers. I, I wasn't sure if he had the the physical skills to do. But in this role, in this position, he can play the deep middle. He can play over top of the box. And he can cover against, you know, the, the, the tight end. So those guys can do all those jobs very well. And then it just becomes about the front five 
front seven. You know, the six, however many they're putting in the box. Four, I don't know. <laughs> so, uh, you know, that's that's the biggest question is that pass rush because if you leave those five guys out to dry, and I don't mean to forget Daquan Hardy, who is, you know, statistically last year one of the best slot corners in the nation as far as giving up a, you know, I, I, I it was in the 40s. His, his uh, PFF tracks the passer rating when you throw against a player. And it was in the 40s, which is below just throwing the ball into the ground. Um, that group, if they can get a semblance of a pass rush, I think has the ability to pull this defense off. Well, you know, you mentioned uh, Daquan Hardy. I always have to repeat, I love what Daquan Hardy does. He certainly passed the eye test. So hearing that uh, PFF liked him also just uh, confirms that observation. Let's go through these positions and talk about the personnel and their abilities of doing this. Let's go from back to front. Let's start with the defensive backs and the safeties. I think Jair Brown showed us last year he really belongs. What did he do? Lead the, the country in interceptions. Um, and he, he seems designed to look for turnovers and I believe it was the key Wheatley who led the team during spring practice in in interception. So you have a couple guys right there who seem to be designed for that ability and what Manny Diaz is looking to do. Yeah. So here's the interesting thing, because Jaquan Brisker was on a pace to have a lot of interceptions last year, too. Uh but it's a completely different defense in a lot of ways. So it's it's very similar, but it's very different in kind of the ways I laid out in the first half of the segment. Um, but last year, Brisker had to play in the box because of the loss of P.J. Mustafer. So did Brisker, did, did Tig Brown get those interceptions because he was given all the opportunities because Brisker was helping out in run defense? Or is he in that position to make those plays because of his, uh, completely because of his own merit? Or is it somewhere in between? He's a very good football player with very good instincts and made all those opportunities, but he wasn't taking on offensive linemen on every single play. He was more than, than Brisker, was in deep coverage and had that opportunity. Does that happen this year? And that's really what I'm driving at here with, with Tig Brown is he could be a more complete player this year, have less interceptions, have less fanfare, and some people might think it was a down year, but he's being a more complete football player, playing the run, being a major factor of denying passes uh, to in underneath coverage and doing more multifaceted things instead of just playing center field. And, and I feel bad because I feel like I'm diminishing what he did last year, but I'm just saying like every player has a role in the defense, and last year his was more center field, go get the passes that are disrupted by Arnold Ebikidi and pass rush. So, yes... And also, we'll see. But that's the, the goal of, of Manny Diaz's defense is to force the quarterback to throw before he wants to into a window that you're predicting because you're denying uh, something else. You know, a throw farther down the field that takes longer. And th that's a whole thing and kind of a philosophical thing uh, as well uh, that you can get into. But, like, that's kind of the, the idea is that you want to predict and dictate where the ball is going, and the only way that the defense really dictates anything ever at any point is if you get to the quarterback with the pass rush because everything else is reactionary. So that's why having a pass rush is important because then you can predict, based on what the quarterback's rules are in the play, where the ball might go 
But again, it's risk-reward because if you're crushing the field down, you might be leaving opportunities deep if you don't get there with pass rush. I think everyone understands interceptions are both about getting the opportunity and then taking advantage of it. Yeah. So if you don't get that opportunity, it's not going to happen. But you could feel pretty good that Jair Brown, given the opportunity, will take advantage of it. Uh, Zaki Wheatley appears to be that kind of guy also. Who do you think is first, though, in line to play next to Jair Brown in the last couple seconds we have in this segment? Well, based on the blue-white game, it was clearly Keaton Ellis. Um, but I wrote an article last week. I'm, I'm so impressed with what Wheatley's physical abilities are and his, his mental abilities, his mental approach to the position, that that could be a 50-50 split by next by the middle of the season. And, and that would be kind of how that shakes out with Wheatley pushing for playing time as the season goes on. But it would be, to start, it would be um, Keaton Ellis. Very good, T. Frank. We got through one of the two segments, and we got through one of the five position groups. That seems about <laughs> par for the course for us. Stick around. We'll see how many we could get through in segment number two. This is Jen from Collegiate Athletic Travel. We've been offering travel to the biggest Penn State games for over 50 years. This fall, we continue that tradition in partnership with Keystone Sports Network with a trip to the Penn State Auburn game. Join us for charter flight, staying at the team hotel, transportation to and from the game, and even a great tailgate party at the stadium are included. For more information, go to athletictravel.com or call 1-800-788-4414. See you there. What defines the special spirit of Penn State? Why Penn State by author Greg Woodman looks to Happy Valley in the 1980s for answers. Featuring rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews with Coach Paterno, this beautiful 256-page full-color hardback edition explores the why behind We Are. It's chicken soup for the Nittany Lion's soul and makes the perfect gift for any Penn Stater in your life, including you. Order today at whypennstate.com. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. We are Tech Results, located right here in State College. Whether it's workstation, server and network installation, problem solving and maintenance, security assessments, or general evaluations, we are your complete IT partner. Learn more at techresults.com. That's T-E-K results.com. Or call us at 814-206-0000. It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number two. I'm Jim Galanti along with Thomas Frank Carr. T. Frank, we've been talking about this Penn State defense going into the 2022 season, but before we pick up that conversation, just a reminder, we had the announcement last week that the Penn State-Auburn game will be a 3.30 start 
Great time to remind you that in partnership with Collegiate Athletic Travel, Keystone Sports Network offering you the opportunity to travel to that Auburn-Penn State game, charter flight out of Harrisburg, get a chance to stay at the team hotel, transport to and from the game, a great tailgate party at the stadium, everything you want in traveling to an away game following your Nittany Lions. For more information, you just go to athletictravel.com or call 800-788-4414. Hope you can make the trip with us. It's going to be a great time. Both Dustin and I will be there on the trip, and I can tell you we can't wait for it. All right, T. Frank, we're talking about this Penn State defense going into the 22 season. Lost a lot of talent to the NFL draft, a lot of talent coming back. We made it through one of the position groups, the safeties, in quarter number one. Let's see if we could pick up the pace a little bit and get through <laughs> it. Let's finish up with the de- yeah. the defensive backs. I think they're going to be as good, even losing Tariq Castro-Fields. You have Joey Porter Jr. returning, and I'm assuming Kalen Kings takes over on the other side. That's a pretty good way to start the cornerback room, not to mention Daquan Hardy as your uh, slot cornerback. Yeah, and Johnny Dixon, Marquise Wilson as the backups, too. You know, Marquise Wilson as a freshman in 2019 made a name for himself as a turnover machine. And then, you know, some of the situations and issues that came up last season where they moved him around on the offense, moving him back to defense, uh, they that depth at that position is very good. Uh, and you always have the opportunity, and this is where I think fans get excited and then they always project the positive. Or if you're negative, I've actually found more negative fans lately uh, as I delve deeper into the internet and I mine more and more content from people uh, on on message boards and, and, and Twitter and places like that, um, that you assume the positive. You just assume Kalen King, when I say he's got... NFL level ability then he's gonna be that good like there's a lot of other things that go into that there's a lot of there's a million other factors humans are very curious complex creatures they do not follow a linear path in almost anything so uh he has the potential to be better than Tariq Castro Fields and that's the question is is he going to at least produce the same level as Castro Fields or will be there be more highs and lows will he not live up to expectations I I typically assume the positive that I've seen good from him. I've seen some mental mistakes. I'm going to see some really good plays and some mental mistakes. That's kind of what I'm expecting. But on the aggregate, that'll get better over time. And the secondary coaches at Penn State are pretty good. I think that's that's clear. So uh, those guys in this system should be uh, should take a step forward. I can see Joey Porter Jr. being the guy leading the team in interceptions as much as I can see uh, Jair Brown, just because of the way that you can afford opportunities to players in this scheme to get their hands on the ball if everything comes together. And there's no doubt Joey Porter Jr. has all the physical tools. He has that great length. And to be honest with you, just from my perspective – Tariq Castro-Fields, I don't know if it was because he was nicked up a bit last year. As often as not, if there was a mistake made in the secondary, it felt like it was Tariq Castro-Fields. So I'm actually feeling like uh, Kalen King will give us as much as we saw from Tariq Castro-Fields. Let's move T. Frank to the linebacker position. 
candidly, this is the position I'm most concerned about. They lost two or three starters. The one returning starter, Curtis Jacobs, is changing positions within the linebacker room. And for that third starter, you're reaching into the safety room and bringing in Jonathan Sutherland. A lot going on at linebacker. So I I don't look at Jonathan Sutherland as a linebacker, even though he's a linebacker, and I look at Jonathan Sutherland as a linebacker. If that makes any sense whatsoever, which it doesn't, because it doesn't make sense when I think about it. Uh, really, so I, I always call that position that Sutherland is playing the 11th defender. It is its own thing. Uh, because you can play about three or four different positions in that spot, and however you want to make your defense whole, that's how you go about it. Now, uh, Penn State has had luck getting players like um, all the way back to Cam Brown to play that position and play well, that are linebackers, all the way to Curtis Jacobs. Now they're just in a different philosophy of instead of a safety-like linebacker, a linebacker that is like a safety. Now we're going to go with a safety that's like a linebacker. We'll see. I'm not overly positive about it, but I'm also not considering that a part of the linebacker core. What I'm looking at as the linebackers are the the Mike and the Will, the guys that play in the box, the guys that play traditional run defense. And in that case, you just need to have two. You know, you injuries are a thing and they're real, but Curtis Jacobs is a very smart football player. He's a very good football player. Um, and I, I think he's going to have success this year. Is he going to be Micah Parsons? I don't know. Uh, and I don't want to downplay the linebacker position because the last time I did that, heading into the 2020 season, I said, if you're going to lose anybody and you're going to lose any position, the least effective positions on the game overall are linebacker and running back. Uh, maybe guard, right? Maybe guard. But losing Micah Parsons and Journey Brown, if the rest of your team is very good, you can absorb those losses, seeing as you have Noah Kane and all those other guys. I was very wrong. I was very wrong about that. Micah Parsons maybe breaks the mold because he's more than just a linebacker, but um, not having solid linebacker play is an issue. You just don't... This is going to be sacrosanct. This is going to be sacrilegious. But, like, if you want to be an anything you, linebacker you is, is great in the 90s. It is less of a thing now, less important to the overall health of your defense than if you're cornerback you or defensive end you or any other position on the defense. So if you have good linebackers, then you're great. If you have elite linebackers, you might have a complete defense because it's just the hardest position to do well in modern football. But if you're not quite up to par, that's the position you want the case to be. You're right. T. Frank, it is sacrilegious at, at I know. linebacker you to say that, but right. you're T. Frank. We we listen to what you have to say, so you just now, that, change the hearts and minds of all the Penn State fans. That being said, uh, middle linebacker, you need a guy. You need to have a guy that can run the defense and that can get everyone in position and make sure that you're eliminating mental mistakes, which is a huge part of playing average football, which sounds like an insult, but average football at the Power 5 level is really good football, and and if you can achieve that from, let's say it's Tyler Elsden who has his deficiencies, or if it's Kobe King who has his question marks, then you've... I think elevate that position above what most people would expect out of it, which is that they're not they're going to struggle at that position. So it's a new defense, it's a new Mike linebacker. That's where the linebacker issue is to me, is because that position 
could result in some issues in one way or another. Uh, but I think Will is pretty good. Um, Curtis Jacobs is is a very talented football player, and I think he can use his speed and physicality to be a very good linebacker. Using Manny Diaz's quote that the best coverage is a good rush. I've gotten but... so much mileage out of that question. I have I have built the whole offseason on asking that question. It is it is the, the most dividends I've ever gotten out of one quote. <laughs> well, hey, let's milk it for all it's worth, T. Frank. Let's so, do it. Yeah. Let's start with the defensive ends. Yep. A year ago, nobody had heard of Arnold Ibikiti, some guy coming in from Temple. You know, how good could he be? Well, we found out right from the start, right from the very first game, he's, yeah. he's pretty darn good. And now what do we do at defensive end? When he's gone, the other defense, starting defensive end is gone. Where do we sit now with those defensive ends when you have a coordinator who's saying getting to the quarterback is the key to his defense? Yeah. Um, so this is this is where I struggle because um, you know we've talked about this before on the show. Uh, I was I was raised in the PFF theology of football. So coverage is more important than pass rush. But at the college football level, you can have singular talents that change the, the game because the disparity in talent is so great. Arnold Ebikidi, and I've said this a couple times, but I will say it without qualification, is the best pure pass rusher that Penn State has had under James Franklin. Better than Micah Parsons because he did it more and he was asked to do it by himself. So, And he was he was effective at it. In almost every single game he came through, he almost won the Michigan game for Penn State with that sack fumble and recovery. The offense just didn't, they didn't follow through on it. So losing that is the biggest thing in this defense, even with losing Jaquan Brisker, who I think is the best defensive back I've seen at Penn State. So that is, uh, that's where I struggle of which one is going to be a bigger loss. But I think the drop-off in talent is huge after Abikiti because you've gone from the highest of highs now you have a question mark about what's next, and what's next is Adisa Isaac. And then two freshmen, uh, you know, I guess a, a sophomore in Damian Robinson, who's transferring in, and Denai Dennis Sutton. And those are the pass rushing options. The other guys on the roster did not show me anything in spring football to make me think that they have turned the corner. You lose Zariah Fisher, and you have Nick Tarburton as your solid, dependable, be a part of the game plan, execute his assignment, don't make mistakes, but not anybody that's going to get to the quarterback. So you have three options. All of them, to me, are unproven. So that's the biggest question mark on this defense. Let's real quickly get to the tackle position. Hopefully, P.J. Mustafer will come back healthy. What do you see at defensive tackle? So this is a part where the last time I watched the tape, I was like, oh, they're doing something completely different than last year, is what it seemed. And I have to do some more digging and, and watch some more. But it seems like they're going back to more of, instead of a one, we talked about the 2i last offseason. I don't think they're doing that anymore. I think they're playing defensive tackles, and everyone's getting upfield. Everyone's 300 pounds. Everyone's attacking. I also think it's why, you know, you look at Cole uh, Brevard as the one guy that transferred his 330-pound nose tackle. So now they're going to quickness, penetration, aggressiveness, multifaceted players to play on either side, either one tech or three tech. So they've got the bodies to pull that off, but those young players have to develop there. There's enough of them that some of them will hit. That's my prediction is that some of them will be, and they'll be good enough there. 
and we've got T. Frank favorite Jordan Vandenberg playing there. So what yep. else do you need, T. Frank? That is it for quarter number two. Stick around. Quarter number three, we're going to take your questions. We're going to ask T. Frank. Stay tuned. This is Jen from Collegiate Athletic Travel. We've been offering travel to the biggest Penn State games for over 50 years. This fall, we continue that tradition in partnership with Keystone Sports Network with a trip to the Penn State Auburn game. Join us for charter flight, staying at the team hotel, transportation to and from the game, and even a great tailgate party at the stadium are included. For more information, go to athletictravel.com or call 1-800-788-4414. See you there. In his book, Why Penn State, author Greg Woodman takes readers on a trip back in time to Happy Valley in the 1980s, a unique era of gridiron success and rapid expansion that gave our university its modern identity. Whether you're traveling down memory lane or discovering old states past for the first time, this compilation of rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews helps you explore the why behind We Are. Start your journey today. Order online at whypennstate.com. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. We are Tech Results. Located right here in State College, we specialize in providing assistance with many third-party software suites. Our clients include doctor's offices, lawyers, construction companies, and even hairdressers. We provide help with their industry-specific software. Learn more at techresults.com. That's T-E-K results.com. Or give us a call at 814-206-0000. Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante along with T. Frank Carr. It's quarter number three. You know what that means. It's time to ask T. Frank. This is where we have T. Frank answer your Penn State football and recruiting questions. You want to submit a question real easy, just download our app, Keystone Sports. You'll see the Ask T. Frank button. End of the segment, we will pick a winner for the best question, and the winner will receive a great book. It's called Why Penn State by Greg Woodman. It's available at whypennstate.com. It's also available at Amazon. It really talks about when Penn State became Penn State. And uh, Greg, he picked out the decade of the 80s to show how Penn State became who they are. I'll tell you what, it's a great book. I enjoyed it. Read it in one sitting. All right, are you ready to answer questions, T. Frank? Yes. And I already, I just answered one. So clearly I've proven that I'm ready. And you're one for one. Very good. Yeah. Let's go with Matt from State College. Matt says, T. Frank, what's your stance on the Big Ten's divisions? They're obviously what most would call, and he has this in quotes, fair, but wondering how you would fix them. 
What moves would you make, or are you thinking the Big Ten goes the way of the ACC and gets rid of divisions entirely in the future? Thank you, and I love the show. Well, thanks, Matt, from State College. Appreciate that. So if you if you look at some of the proposals that have floated around, uh, and I discussed this on my show last week or the week before, I don't remember, but it was basically the ACC said they might go to three protected games, three uh, non-conference games, and then five that rotate. And Penn State would play Ohio State and Michigan in those three games, even if it's not a rivalry. Like, if we, if we don't want to call that a rivalry, they do bananas TV numbers, especially if you put those games at night or, you know, the big noon kick. So, like, the Big Ten Network, Fox, ESPN, they're going to preserve those rivalries if, if the universities want to or not. So I don't know that even if you were to eliminate divisions, you wouldn't eliminate playing the best teams in the country and playing a perennial college football playoff power. You're playing Ohio State every year if you're Penn State. There's no way around that. So I would just eliminate then you could even keep the divisions the way they are. Uh, but you eliminate the um, uh, East-West moniker in terms of who gets to the college football or who gets to the Big Ten championship game. Because we've seen that the, the West is just not the same. So if you want to make them divisions and put somebody across the division, uh, whether it's Michigan, whether it's Penn State, you know, whatever it is, all you're doing is rearranging the deck chairs. Um, and until some other team proves that they are a part of the top four, uh, and really, it's just Ohio State. It's who can challenge Ohio State. So who's done that the best and who's the best opportunity to do that? If you look at, you know, the, the score of games, it's like Purdue... Uh, uh, Penn State and, and Michigan are the only teams that really ever challenge Ohio State. So just give those teams, maybe not Purdue every year, those teams the opportunity to play in the Big Ten Championship game, which will offer you the immediate opportunity to get some of those teams into the conversation for the college football playoff. Uh, but I don't see anything major changing when it comes to uh, you know, Penn State's schedule. Like It will look relatively the same. The question to me is, does it change for the West? I'm not as confident as you are about those locked-in games if they did go to 3-5-5 like the ACC, which means you have three rivalry games that you always play, and then the other ten teams, you alternate 5-5 five and five to play them. And I'll tell you why I think this. Look at Michigan, and their most logical – they have to have Michigan-Ohio State every year. Have to. We know yep. that. That's gospel. Yep. You would have to have Michigan-Michigan State. That's what I'm saying. That like The divisions make sense if, from a if, regional if, decision, right? But if you add Penn State to Michigan's rivalries, you now have them playing Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan State. You essentially do almost the same thing with Ohio State. And I think those schools would say, hey, whoa, 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 wait a minute. You're giving us the three tough, this imbalance in the schedule. You haven't changed anything if we have to play the best teams every year. What I could see happening is you preserve Michigan and Ohio State, but give Michigan and Ohio State Penn State every other year. So so here's, means- here's the part that I, I agree with you, but you're assuming that those – universities have any power over this they're being given a billion dollars on the next deal reportedly uh by the tv uh partners those people are making the decisions 
those people are the ones that are going to decide what game goes where, uh, and they're going to have a heavy influence on the schedule because that's where the money's coming from. Well, I'm going to go back to something I say often here, T. Frank, sometimes facetiously, sometimes very seriously. Michigan and Ohio State run the damn conference. They do whatever they want. They've made a statement. We will only play at noon. We will only play on the last game of the year. Well, that's what they do, whether it's good for television or not. Because no, the night that's, game might that's a get Fox a decision. Rating. The Fox, no, no, no. no, no, no. no. The, now it is. Now it is Fox has their big noon game. But for years and years, when it was ABC and ESPN who might want it at night, didn't matter. Because, well, we're Michigan and Ohio State. We do what we want in this conference. So, it, I, you know, there's no way for us to know for sure. But it's my yeah. opinion that Michigan and Ohio State run the roost. They get what they want. And if Michigan and Ohio State say, no, 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 sorry, we're not going to have – you can't make us play Penn State, Michigan, and Michigan State every single year, I think they'll get their way if that's what they want. So we, we will find out, T. Frank. I think come 23 uh, we'll, we'll see some changes. Uh, let's see. Where do we go from here? Let's go to Larry in Bradford who says – James Franklin seems very particular about the players he brings in through the transfer portal. Do you think in the future roster construction will require more use of the portal where Franklin will be forced to be more open to who he's bringing in as portal players? Uh, So if you do a good job on the front end, and I think we saw this year Penn State didn't have anybody that really transferred, if you do a better job on the front end, you can mitigate some of your losses on, on the back end. And we, there are no guarantees of anything with NIL and the transfer portal. So let's just start there. Um, but I don't think it necessarily changes. And the other part that we, we have to point out is, do you want to bring in just anybody? If you're doing a good job recruiting, you've got to bring in guys that can start for your team. And Penn State, I, I know it's hard to to see this but like they've got some pretty good players on their roster now could they go out there and get guys that are better yeah but those guys are transferring to other schools that are college football playoff destinations you know so there's a there's a limited window of players that are better than Penn State's current players or have long-term value and also will go to Penn State so I, I think they've done very very well so far in the portal and if they can keep this formula up, they will be successful. I think you make a great point about uh, the quality of player or type of player that James Franklin brings in right from the start from high school. And I'm sure some people will throw Will Levis back at me, but they've been pretty good about preserving their best players and keeping them in the fold. Let's go to uh, Bill in Reading who says, T. Frank, I'm really excited about the offensive line recruits in the class of 23. Should I be this high on them and give me your impressions of Phil Troutwine? Uh, Yes, you should be. You should be excited about this group of players because they're talented, uh, and I think they're even underrated. So so Josh Miller is a little bit underrated by most recruiting services, but watching his film, I, I think he's a difference maker as a run blocker, and I think he can get to being a good pass protector because he's a smart, determined player with a lot of physical talent. He's 330 pounds walking around. 
So that on top of Javen Williams and uh, Alex Birchmeyer, who are five-star players. Yeah, I mean, Alex uh, or uh, Javen Williams just set, I think, two PIAA records in in track this year with a shot put and something else. And I, I, I unfortunately, uh, on I vacation, discus? I did. Okay, discus. I was I was not keeping up with anything over the last five days. So I, I didn't know exactly what it was, but I know he set records and, and won championships there. And Alex Birchmeyer is a state champion wrestler. So those are multi-sport phenomenal athletes. Will they play early? And that's something I'm digging into of like how many offensive linemen play early? What's the profile of those players? So that's going to be the biggest thing is can you get some of these guys up to speed because you you just need to get guys in the system as soon as possible now. An offensive line that's tough. But it's good to see they are getting that high caliber recruit in, and they're getting both quality and quantity. They've yeah. already got, what, four of them in the fold, and it doesn't feel like they're done. They're, they're still looking for more. Let's go to Brad in Percasy. Brad says, T. Frank, please prove me wrong. I feel like Penn State has done a great job recruiting overall, but under Franklin, we're always deficient in one area. For example, the offensive line the past couple years. I feel like next up is defensive end or linebacker. Tell me why that statement is wrong, please. Uh, I want to circle that quickly to Bill and Redding. That I, I think he asked, what do you think about Phil Troutwine? Very smart player. Everything I hear from the players is that he's a great communicator and he's communicating the details. I think as you know this goes on, he's going to get more and more traction there because it takes a long time to get into a problem with your offensive line. It takes long to get out. As far as defensive end and linebacker, Penn State's bringing in some really good linebackers in the class of 2022. They're bringing in two five-star defensive ends whether it's through the transfer portal or with Deny Dennis Sutton. And I always... Uh, overlook um the and i'm embarrassed right now i forget his name uh the other four-star defensive end that come in that comes in with the nine dennis sutton so they're getting the players was there a slump yes and this is kind of the thing of if you pay attention to recruiting you can kind of see the hills and valleys coming the question is can you prevent those in the transfer portal so where i'm looking at is obviously offensive tackle in the future but they've got javen williams who i think can play offensive tackle um, and then at defensive tackle, are you bringing in guys that can fill that gap and take you to the next level? We'll see if they can do that in the class of 23. That's the opportunity this year in that class. Were you referencing Ken Talley? Yes, thank you. Yeah, I wanted to say Keon Wiley, but he's the defensive end that played linebacker, not the linebacker that's playing defensive end. It's very confusing in that class. Exactly. All right, T. Frank, we need a winner. Uh, well, we talked about Matt's question for half the segment, so it's got to be Matt from State College. Congratulations, Matt. You're our winner. We'll be getting in touch with you. If you want to be a winner like Matt, make sure you send in your questions to Ask T. Frank. For now, stick around. Quarter number four is coming up. We're going to talk more recruiting. This is Jen from Collegiate Athletic Travel. We've been offering travel to the biggest Penn State games for over 50 years. This fall, we continue that tradition in partnership with Keystone Sports Network with a trip to the Penn State Auburn game. Join us for charter flight, staying at the team hotel, transportation to and from the game, and even a great tailgate party at the stadium are included. For more information, go to athletictravel.com or call 1-800-788-4414. See you there. What defines the special spirit of Penn State? 
Why Penn State by author Greg Woodman looks to Happy Valley in the 1980s for answers. Featuring rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews with Coach Paterno, this beautiful 256-page full-color hardback edition explores the why behind We Are. It's chicken soup for the Nittany Lions' soul and makes the perfect gift for any Penn Stater in your life, including you. Order today at whypennstate.com. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news, 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. We are Tech Results, located right here in State College. Whether it's workstation, server and network installation, problem solving and maintenance, security assessments, or general evaluations, we are your complete IT partner. Learn more at techresults.com. That's T-E-K results.com. Or call us at 814-206-0000. We head to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is time for quarter number four. I'm Jim Galante, and as always, we have Penn State Rivals lead recruiting analyst Eric Lammers with us. How you doing, Eric? I'm doing well, Jim. I'm doing well. Memorial Day weekend, you know, get, having a chance to celebrate that and everything was, was always fun, but obviously it's great to be back on here with you and and because uh, it's going to shape up to be a, a rather busy June for Penn State, so get the bad news behind us, and hopefully we can start, you know, they can start focusing on some good, positive energy for the month of June. Well, that's right. We've had a couple down weeks where we talked about players who've gone elsewhere. In the next couple weeks, we're going to hear about a lot of visitors to Penn State. I thought this week, Eric, it would be a very good time to regroup a little bit. Let's take a look at where we are with the class of 23. And before we wrap up, we could look at where the team is headed, who they're looking at. And what's really fascinating, class of 23 for the Penn State Nittany Lions, it's a really good class, a top 10, maybe even top 5 class, depending on who you talk to. And the really cool thing, and I'm sure a lot of Penn State fans are excited about this, you start with the offensive line. There are two absolutely stud players in Alex Birchmeyer, Javen Williams. One is considered a guard, the other a tackle. Let's start there with that offensive line, Eric. Pretty good start to that class. Yeah, I mean, it, it always started there with uh, with. with... Coach Trotwine did up front, and what he's been able to do with that class up front um, was obviously been what kind of jump-started everything with this 23 class, and they do have some dudes there, and it started obviously, like you mentioned, with Birchmeyer uh, all the way last summer when he jumped in the boat. Um, and then, you know, the interesting point, I don't know if you if you saw this, Jim, but uh, Javen Williams uh, just recently competed in the state, turn, uh, the state uh, track meet, and he threw, a, the, threw a, the discus 
set a record, shot put, set, set, is in top 10 nationally. That's kind of what you want to see from these uh, offensive linemen when you're signing them, you know, being those kind of dual sport athletes and that track stuff that they are able to kind of correlate between what they do and, and the explosiveness that comes with that. And so, I mean, you hit it on the head. When it starts well, up front, it starts with those two. Uh, they've done a tremendous job, and, and they're not done. Uh, we've uh, been tracking that a little bit here. You know, despite having four in this class – and, you know, whether or not you, you kind of think of where Mega might end up down the road. Um, so is it a four or five, you know, things like that. But they are definitely not done. Uh, June, they're looking into bringing some high-level talent, both at tackle and in interior. I think they would prefer to get, uh, get some more tackle help. Um, but, yeah, uh, Trotwine has done a tremendous job with this, with this group, and, and he's looking to continue that rolling in June. And as we found out with this team over the last couple of years, it, always, it does start with the offensive line. And... I mentioned Birchmeyer, Javon Williams, but you also have to throw in Joshua Miller and Anthony Donko. Yeah, yeah, those four right there. And yeah, you shouldn't definitely don't sleep on Joshua Miller or Donko either because like those guys are very high-end players. And I've seen, you know, I've seen Miller live. We saw him down at Charlotte Rivals camp and and he was as impressive in person as you could imagine. And so having him again with the other two that we mentioned and Donko and however they close out this class. I mean, that group is, is, is the staple of this class. I mean, I, I really do, looking back, if, if, if you look back on the 23 class um, down, down the road, uh, it's all going to come to how did that offensive line perform? Um, did they meet the expectations? Did they rise above the expectations? Because that group is the cornerstone of this class, and it will be something that you'll have to look back on and just see how they did, because I think that will ultimately point to the success of this class. Whenever you talk about a recruiting class, you've got to talk about the quarterback that they bring in. For 23, they're bringing in Marcus Stokes. Not a really big name. You like Marcus Stokes, though, don't you? Yeah, I just like, I think he brings a little bit of a different dynamic to the class, uh, to the team. You know, he's a lot different, obviously, from uh, Drew Lar, you know, because he's not going to be your typical uh, NFL pro size quarterback, right? He's going to be shorter on the move, likes to make things happen outside the pocket when things break down a little bit. You know, that's maybe when he even operates at his best, a little bit off script. You know, he's maybe a little bit like Prabola, but Prabola is just thicker and bigger, right? And so this guy is going to be, he's going to have, he's a little bit of a project. There's no, you can't deny that, right? He's going to have to some work on some things with his accuracy uh, and just get bigger and things like that. But the way that, the, the reason I firmly believe that he ended up in this class is because he shows a leadership style that is, one that Coach Franklin really resonates towards, right? And so he wanted somebody like this to lead his class, to be somebody that could kind of help galvanize everybody and bring it together. And that's, and you know, I think that's who Stokes is, right? And and I think that's why, you know, I think they're going to bring him in on, you know, we'll talk about that, I know, at the end of, of this. But in June, they're going to bring him in on the 10th. And I think that was calculated because they want to bring him in that first weekend. Uh, they're going to have some other guys in from Florida, specifically uh, Trayon Webb, the running back. And I think that was calculated to have him on campus at the same time just because of that leadership ability and what Coach Franklin sees in him as, you know, the potential person that can kind of rally everything together. But, yeah, you know, I, I think he's going to bring an interesting dynamic, certainly, uh, to, the, to the Penn State program when he does step foot on, on campus as well. Well, Penn State had another quarterback who some folks thought was a little bit undersized, was only uh, considered a three-star recruit coming in, but showed a lot of great leadership skills and in those intangibles. His name was Trace McSorley. I think right. that turned out pretty well. Right. So, and that's kind of the comp. That's the easy comp, too, I guess, when you start thinking about uh, Stokes and what he could turn into. And, and obviously, 
knock on wood or whatever, that's who you hope he can turn into. Because if he can turn into somebody like McSorley, you got yourself a, a stud, right? And on the defensive side, a little bit slow getting going. There's only three players so far on the defensive side. Lamont Payne, Jamel Lyons, who's an edge rusher, Conrad Hussey, who is a safety. How do things look going forward, though, on the defensive side of the ball for this recruiting class? Yeah, I mean, June's obviously going to be a big month for Manny Diaz and the defensive staff and trying to get some momentum going on that side of the ball with the recruitment. It's been a little bit slow out the gate. I mean, you probably can accredit a little bit of that, obviously, to the changeover in staff on that defense side of the ball. I mean, obviously with the coordinator, you know, anytime you lose somebody like Coach Pry um, that goes down to Virginia Tech and you all those relationships and the equity that he's kind of built up over time, you know, and then to replace that with somebody like Diaz who's got to come in and get his feet wet. Um, yeah, there may be a little bit of slow time, but June's going to be a big month for him. There's no way, to, uh, other way to put it, right? And and it starts obviously because of the linebackers that they're going to be bringing in and the people that want to see them be able to close on guys like Tony Rojas and Tamir Robinson. And so, you know, we'll see. Um, you know, the interesting thing, the guys that they do have committed to them right now, you know, big fan of Jamil Lyons, thinks he's a great, uh, you know, a future stud on that defensive line just because, you know, he moves really well for his size. He's got the growth potential to put on some major weight and be a real staple there at the strong side defensive end. Um, he's got some athleticism to him that you really like. Uh, so he's a big nun. You know, Conrad Hussey, a little bit of an underrated radar guy maybe that they that they swiped out of uh, St. Thomas Aquinas down there in Florida. People weren't necessarily expecting that. He's going to be one to watch, though, because, you know, Miami just came in and offered him, actually. And so now does that how does that change up the dynamic, right, of staying in South Florida and things like that um, that you'll need to watch. But, you know, that's one that they really like. Penn State is very high on him. Um, but yeah, you know, so we'll see Lamont Payne, obviously has been in the class for a while. And then Megan Barnwell, you know, he's the one that we, again, I talked about him a little bit, the offensive line. He's been talking defensive line, you know, you'll just kind of have to wait and see. I don't think they're really penciling him anywhere particular, really just as an athlete. Um, but yeah, we'll see, but it is, June's going to be big. Now you mentioned Rojas and Robinson, a couple of tight end, I'm sorry, linebackers, who are the other players, offense or defense, that we should be aware of as Penn State fans over the next couple weeks who are beginning, coming in for their visits? Yeah, so, you know, that first weekend, that June 10th is when they're going to do the, the first official visit weekend. Um, and I think when you're looking at that group, and, th and these and these are subject to change, right? And But but I did something before this to kind of look at it to kind of, uh, well, let me, get, let me go back a little bit and give you a grand view, right? And so, like, their focus, they've made it clear that their focus for the month of June is really going to be at the defensive back position, okay? Because they're, they're scheduled to bring in eight defensive backs for official visits in the month of June, right? The next position that they're going to bring in after that, that's got the highest numbers, linebackers. So they're telling you right now out the gate that their focus is obviously on that defense side of the ball, primarily on that back seven uh, in terms of linebackers and the defensive backs. Now, in terms of players that we need to be watching specifically on the defensive side, let me start there. On that weekend of the 10th, uh, there's a young man that's going to be coming up from Tampa Catholic uh, down in Florida, Corey Lucius. He's a linebacker. And so everybody always thinks of Tamir Robinson and, jo and Tony Rojas when they're thinking of linebackers. I think this is a name that you have to be familiar with if you're a Penn State fan. Corey Lucius, the staff is very high on him. Manny Diaz is very familiar with him. He was with his first offer at Miami, and then Penn State was his second Power 5 offer when Manny Diaz got to, to Penn State. So they're very high on his game. And so that's a name that you have to be aware of. Uh, uh, Corey Lucius, Tampa Catholic, that first weekend on the 10th. Somebody that you have to watch. Um, 
Offensive switch over to offensive side ball. I know I'm a little bit all over the place here, so I apologize. But Evan Link, Evan Link is a name that you're going to need to know coming in on that 10th. We've talked about him countless times. He keeps things a little bit more close to the vest when it comes to uh, you know recruiting. But long been thought of, you know, Michigan, Penn State, Stanford. Um, if Penn State can land him, though, that would be a big one for him because he is what they're looking for. And I, when I talk about, you know, they've got the four that they're committed, but we've talked about Trotwine still looking to add to this class, and there's no doubt that it's, you know, that tackle body, and Evan Link's perfect for that. Um, and then, you know, can move it to the next weekend, the 17th. Uh, you talked about Tony Rojas. You talked about Tamir Robinson, obviously names you know. A couple other names that I'll throw out there for you that definitely need to be aware of because they could end up being Nittany Lions for sure. Uh, obviously, London Montgomery, the running back there that we've talked about numerous times. It's almost like you know, you're, he's one that you know we talked about you know these ups and downs and the waves of recruiting. You need to land if you want somebody. You need to land this one, right? Um, if you want a running back, like they're only bringing in two running backs for official visits during the month of June. Right, and they don't have any running backs committed to them now. Running backs not a huge priority for them either because they brought in two studs last year, but they're shooting for the fence. They got that Trayon Webb's coming up the tenth. They're going to shoot for the stars with him. That's battle though between Tennessee, Florida, South Carolina, and Penn State. So that's a big battle. London Montgomery's coming in that seventeenth. You're bringing him in with all of your commits. He's an in-state guy, somebody that you've you know you've been talking to for quite a while. You're very familiar with him. He's somebody you have to lock up, in my opinion, uh, by the end of June. So he's somebody you have to watch. And then King Mack is a defensive back that's going to be coming up. That's teammates of Conrad Hussey down there at St. Thomas Aquinas. Definitely need to be aware of him on the 17th weekend because he's somebody I think could commit um, as well. So, you know, that, that that's shaping up to be a big weekend, obviously. Um, and then 24th weekend is, uh, you know, obviously going to be a big one. But Kenny Johnson is a name that you need to watch, obviously, because of uh, what's been going on uh, at the wide receiver position, obviously, most recently with Rodney Gallagher. So names names plenty. Uh, there's a lot of names you can go over. Um, but, yeah, it's a, it's a busy month for sure. Eric, that's going to have to be it. But before we go, very quickly, this is your last appearance on the show. I want to thank you so much for your great contribution to the show. I don't want to say it's been great working with you because it hasn't felt like work. It's just been a pleasure talking to you every week, Eric. Yeah, Jim. I mean, it was, quite frankly, one of the best parts of this job is coming on here and talking with you, Penn State football, and, and the passion that you have for it and being able to do all this. Is, it makes it very hard to step away from it all, but uh, I appreciate everything you did for me, man. It was, it was awesome. All right. That is it for the show. Thank you all for tuning in. Join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. This is Jen from Collegiate Athletic Travel. We've been offering travel to the biggest Penn State games for over 50 years. This fall, we continue that tradition in partnership with Keystone Sports Network with a trip to the Penn State Auburn game. Join us for charter flight, staying at the team hotel, transportation to and from the game, and even a great tailgate party at the stadium are included. For more information, go to athletictravel.com or call 1-800-788-4414. See you there. In his book, Why Penn State, author Greg Woodman takes readers on a trip back in time to Happy Valley in the 1980s, a unique era of gridiron success and rapid expansion that gave our university its modern identity. Whether you're traveling down memory lane or discovering old states past for the first time, this compilation of rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews helps you explore the why behind We Are. Start your journey today. Order online at whypennstate.com.
Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. We are Tech Results. Located right here in State College, we specialize in providing assistance with many third-party software suites. Our clients include doctor's offices, lawyers, construction companies, and even hairdressers. We provide help with their industry-specific software. Learn more at techresults.com. That's T-E-K results.com. Or give us a call at 814-206-0000. 